You're listening to Writing Home, American Voices from the Caribbean, with Kayama Glover and Tammy Navarro. Hi, everyone. We are back. Yes. Hi. Welcome to season two of Writing Home, American Voices from the Caribbean. I'm Kayama Glover. And I am Tammy Navarro. And by some miracle, we seem to have made it battered but not broken into the year 2021. Yes. And we are excited for season two. We have some great conversations coming up. And today we're having the first conversation in season two, which is with Marlon James. Yes, we are here in our uh, obligatorily virtual studio with Marlon, author of John Crow's Devil, The Book of Night Women, A Brief History of Seven Killings, and then, of course, most recently, Black Leopard, Red Wolf. Uh, Marlon James is a celebrated writer across the world. He's been awarded the Man Booker Prize, the Dayton Literary Peace Prize, and the Minnesota Book Award. I'm probably <laughs> missing one or two, um, but that's already a pretty substantive list. Uh, and he is also the co-host of the podcast, Marlon and Jake Read Dead People. So this is a high stakes kind of situation because we have an actual expert <laughs> podcaster in our studio in this sort of weird mise en abime meta situation where the podcaster becomes podcasted. So we're really excited. Oh, to be thanks doing for this. having Thank me. This is so great. Us. Yeah, we are excited to have you here. And I am just mm-hmm. going to jump right in with my first question. We are in such a time, <laughs> Marlon, that I wanted to ask you about mm-hmm. political violence, because as I was rereading some of your work, and some of which you write about, right, in Jamaica in particular, a space that has been long caricatured as the primary site of political violence, some of which is based in reality and some of which just comes out of a sense of a Black Mm -hmm. dangerous space, right? So it's a mix. I wanted just to hear your thoughts on Mm -hmm. everything that has been unfolding in the U.S. under the Trump administration in terms of political violence, Uh, maybe in relation to Jamaica, Mm -hmm. maybe not, but just kind of You know, it's weird. I feel, oh, and and again, thanks so much for having me. I, I feel almost sort of, What's the word for 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 doubly, triply, trebly? I feel like I had a, tri- I feel like a trebly. I feel trebly so colonial right that. now. I feel like I had, I feel like I had a triple hit. The the first was when you come to America um, as an immigrant, you have certain ideas, and especially coming out of what I come out of the the background of the seventies, and Jamaica was you know Jamaica was in Chile. Or Paraguay, but we had our we had, we were pretty big and violently in the Cold War. So to see things that like storming off the capital gives us this weird kind of deja vu that would and America is the last place we expected it. Uh, I think because to to come here is to believe in the myth of America, and that's not always a bad thing, but. It's this idea. I, even before the even before the violence, I remember thinking, "Wow, partisanship!" I had no idea that happened in America. You know, people not speaking to each other because of politics. I'm like, "Wow, that's how third world of you." You know, it's it's but it but it says something about how these stereotypes I have about what a third world country is. That's what I'm saying. It's affected me on so many levels. On the level of the the sort of feeling that this is the kind of thing. You, that yeah, it, it happens to other countries, and the weird thing about being in other countries is even you start to believe it. 
It's like, oh, that happens where I live. It doesn't happen where you live. And we start to believe, everybody starts to drink the Kool-Aid. You know, it's, it's, it was that in the headline from, I think it was Times of India. No, it was Kenya. Who's the banana republic now? (laughs) And yeah, I thought that too. (laughs) And I thought about, but, you know, but I also thought about, you know, the, the idea of, of when you see a working example of white privilege, and one of the, the 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 sort of hallmarks of it is the is this inescapable belief in one's own safety. The idea that I could storm this place and with total impunity, storm it without any form of consequence, and almost affronted when people suggest there should be any. Yeah. But also the validity of that belief, yeah. So the lack of but they're right. They think yeah, that because it's, it's this, true. And even part. more than that, this sort of, I, you know, I've lived in America long enough to know that if I go out on the street and I walk from Avenue A to Avenue B, I could be shot by cops or so on. It's just, it's just how it is. Mm-hmm. That sort of just, just walking in, doing whatever you want without the slightest idea that there would be consequences. Is, is sort of mind-blowing to me. As I'm saying, it was just such a multitude, you know, a multitude of, of different things. It's the idea that Ilhan Omar technically is still my congresswoman. Even though I live in New York, mostly, you know, I mean, she represents my district in Minnesota. George Floyd was killed four blocks from my house. Mm-hmm. I'm not exaggerating when I said that could have been me. Yeah, that is not a. I know Minneapolis. I know Minneapolis cops. I know that I, I live on that street for 15, thirteen years. I know. It, I know it could have been me. So it's it's it, there's no one way of looking at this week because it's not one thing that has happened. Mm-hmm. There are just so many things and it happened at the same time. But I really hope people process it. I'm I, I'm on on Facebook and one of my friends who thinks he's from red america keeps saying we need to lead this we need blah blah you need to put up the fight and i'm like actually no i i, I actually don't think i think it's a 53 percent white woman who needs to <laughs> lead that fight you know i think it's it's um this is it's yeah. the most shocking inevitable event i've ever seen mm-hmm. And there's so many ways in which, as a person of color, as a black person or a brown person, you saw how inevitable, right. you know, it was. Where else was this going? You know, where else was this going to go? But um, I, I really appreciate your, that, yeah. I appreciate your putting those two things in tension. Your experience in Jamaica as mm. sort of like, this is how it is. This is how we are, right? This is the reputation we have. And you sort of begin mm-hmm. to internalize that and to see the cracks, the fissures in which mm-hmm. we, which people of color have all lived and known and and been aware of since forever, but mm-hmm. to see it actually unfolding in such a large scale way across the Trump administration has been really jarring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's I I do hope there is there is a reckoning, and not just the impeachment, but that we 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 it's we recognize that what what a what a cancer it is white supremacy. You know, and that it affects it, it. It's affecting. You know, it affects everything. There's nothing good that's you know, going to come I, out of this. We yeah. we set up for these conversations, and we have like some questions we know we want to mm-hmm. ask. You, but then inevitably, the person we're talking to says something super smart, and like, ah, my question. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. 
<laughs> I'm going to swerve. Um, mm. And I want to pick up on some of the things you said and, and, and in this way, move from politics into the space of writing, mm-hmm. which of course is inflected enormously by politics. But yeah. you said a couple of things there about the myth of America mm-hmm. and the stereotypes about the third, the so-called third world. And... I think a lot about, I write about you, I write about your work, and I think a lot about its critical reception, popular reception, academic reception. Mm -hmm. And I constantly find myself, or often find myself surprised or shocked in responses to your work that sort of bring up issues of your responsibility around representation Mm -hmm. of Jamaica, given that exact conundrum, given Mm -hmm. the myth of the land of the free you know, this place that you have literally landed where mm-hmm. you are employed, where you enjoy great success, where you teach American kids, right? Mm-hmm. And the darkness and the danger of Jamaica, right? Mm-hmm. And sort of the, the notion that I think is common among writers from the, again, the so-called global South, that, you know, how dare you air our dirty laundry? Mm-hmm. How dare you let these white people know about the rough things that are happening to us at home? Mm-hmm. So it's an open-ended question, but I just I'm I'm wondering, and I often wonder, what measure of responsibility do you do you take on? Do you mm. internalize either from the get-go or in mm. response to those reactions? Yeah, yeah. It it, it reminds me of an, an essay Edwidge Dantica wrote about in her in her book Create Dangerously, when she was talking about being accused, Haitians accusing her of showing all these terrible pictures of Haiti and Haitian men and blah blah blah. And so on, and it reminds me also of back in the back in the seventies. You know, a lot of men in the black arts movement took really big issues with books like *The Woman Warrior* and and *Color Purple*. And the idea was that black women, brown women, women of color were conspiring with white liberal elite to demonize black men. And I talk about it in my lit class. It's always a fun day. <laughs> Okay, so you, but, you were ready for this question. <laughs> I was ready for this question. All right. But, you know, it's, it's, but I also said, you know, fair enough, I should bring up Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Mm-hmm. And I said, do you guys know what the original title for that book is? And if you watch the, the, the original Swedish films, you see what it's called. Girl with a Dragon Tattoo is an Americanism. The book is called Men Who Hate Women. Wow. wow. And if you watch the, 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 the Swedish film, the title comes up. It doesn't come up, girl, it comes up in Swedish, men who hate women. The, the, where I'm, am I going with this is that Larson wasn't afraid to show the sort of, let's say, you know, the bad stuff, the cancers, the things that we need to get over, because he's also still tell, speaking truth. And I think that, but, but he also believes, I think, that Sweden is even greater than that, that we can we can brace ourselves for hard truths and still grow and get better and learn. I mean, I'm not saying I'm teaching anybody about Jamaica, but I'm also saying that as a writer, you still have to be a truth speaker. And that doesn't mean I'm spewing facts necessarily. You know, I'm also, there's this idea, I think, and I do think it's a very colonial impulse that if you're from a country, you're automatically a member of the tourist board. And that, and mm-hmm. if even if you're going to, and even if you, even if you, if you, if there's dirty laundry, you whisper to somebody, "Hey, there's dirty laundry over here," right, yeah. as opposed to, and I think there is a difference. I think there's, if 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 that was all I was interested in showing, then it would have been a different kind of book. And I think, and I think people like me or Edwidge or Juno would be writing different kinds, different kinds of book. And I don't know if they'd be very good. 
Right. Because there we can you you can you know there are examples of books that showcase only one side. There's a book on on Jamaica called The Dead Yard, and I actually quite like that book, and I like the author. But it was interesting to me that the only Jamaicas in it was plantation and ghetto, <laughs> and to me, that kind of picture may be more distorting than me just talking about the lives of gunmen. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that when I was writing that novel. I was like, you know, people always talk about Jamaica violence and hear my writing as protagonists, the people behind the actual violence. What am I doing? Mm-hmm. And then I realized it's not the subject matter that's the problem. It's the lack of complication. It's the lack of complexity that's the problem. Sure. I don't have a problem if you want to write about serial killers if you bring complexity to it. And I think sometimes that's what people don't get when we're offended. I am, far, you know, when, when the sort of really, really beautiful savage is really, is as, is as bad as the really, really horrible savage, mm-hmm. you know, the one dimensional hero is, you know, it's, it's, it's as bad. I'm not going to write a, you know, a novel populated by, let's look at the Jamaican version of magical Negro. <laughs> we, 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 <laughs> that's what Clara's heart is for. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 right. so it, yeah, I, I think that to me, it's, it's that kind of accusation would have more weight if, if it says, you know, like what Chimamanda Adichie says, if that's a single story. And the thing yeah. is, what I wanted to get with, even with that novel, is even within so-called crime, even within so-called these people, there is still complexity. Mm-hmm. One of my characters, Josie Wales, commits some of the most brutal atrocities yeah. in that book, yeah. and yet I cannot fight There's his worldview. There's space for empathy developed in that complexity, yeah, for sure. And Absolutely. and I'm also, as a writer, interested in empathy with very complicated people who I don't want to empathize with, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the truth is, I actually don't approve of most of my characters. And I fight them sometimes. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, I, the book I wrote before, this book of Nightwoman, at one point, one of the characters has to choose between, she had to choose between her own sister and her horrible dad, and she chooses daddy, and I was screaming. But I wrote it, though. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, I think that the bigger, I am more concerned if we keep perpetuating caricatures of the Caribbean caricatures of of nice beaches and beautiful people and people right. fall for it there was this commercial once where these tourists were coming to this jamaican resort yeah. and the jamaicans see them and they just immediately they, t- they took they hid the books they took away the chest the blah 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 they took away everything they put up the reggae music they put such and such and go hey man welcome to the jamaica man i thought it was hilarious jamaicans were so offended because, like, what's wrong with our beautiful beaches and our reggae music? And that's not the point. <laughs> so, it, to me, I, I sometimes find that kind of... God, is such a long-winded answer. Um, that it's, it, seems, it almost to me seems to be against complexity so much as against negativity to me. Mm. I would just note that it's funny that in your, your, mm. like your first response, your, your, the first example mm-hmm. you gave, and this struck me, was an example of this the Swedish writer and, and, mm-hmm. and write this conduct. And it immediately made me think, well, there, mm-hmm. there's the white privilege, right? That's what we're talking about because Sweden has the yeah. benefit of the doubt. Uh, Jamaica does not in the global culture market. Mm-hmm. So I think 
you know, I'm, I'm happy about getting to this notion of complexity. Yeah, because the Jamaican book that came out called Men Who Hate Women, I think would be really differently received than, mm -hmm. yeah. Precisely, yeah. Yeah, because, and, 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 and I'm also aware of that as well, because I think there has been, the, the, I think on the other side, there are people who think I would be a gleeful participant in demonizing Jamaica. For example, whenever sexuality comes up. I remember when I when I won the Booker Daily Mail actually sort of dispatched writers to Jamaica, kind of wanted <laughs> to get the inside story of where was the homophobic mob that brought him near death, why he has to flee. Hmm. And I was like, I fled because I got a job. People. <laughs> was this before or after the Times article? That... This was before. Before. Okay. No, no, no. After the kind of Booker was after the Times article. Hmm. But even in Times article, it's so clear that what I'm what I'm experiencing is such a deeply internal struggle, yeah. which is really no different from a lot of kids on the street in New York right sure. now, or elsewhere in the state, and so on. Yeah. It's such, and you know the funny thing is, I ran into a, a, another a Jamaican, a queer Jamaican, just eight years younger than me, and he said to me, "You know, Marlon, I really, really respected your article, but I didn't identify a single thing in it." And it's true because I went back to Jamaica and I went met the, the, the University of West Indies Queer Queer Students Association, which I was amazing even existing. Yes. And I came there with my it gets better speech. And they're like, Where are you going with that crap? You don't wanna hear that. They're like, We don't wanna hear that. Do you know Beyonce? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> wow. It almost brought me to tears. I'm like, because here was a generation of queer Jamaican kids who refuse to give up the very, the, give up the, the, quite frankly, the right to be kids mm -hmm. and the right to only care about Beyonce sure. okay. and so on. I never joined this sort of, you know, let's demonize the country. People are like, your, your country is so homophobic. I'm like, you're the most homophobic place on earth. And I'm like, I had no idea we became Russia. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me about that. <laughs> Because the thing about you know any part of the U.S. South, for yeah, example, or elsewhere, because, yeah. because one of the things I have found traveling around to all sorts of Black cultures is the ways in which we allow ourselves to accept. Like Jeremy Harris's play, I think Marcus and the Secret of Sweet, and he's talking about how every the community knew he was the gay kid. They called him, "Oh, Marcus, he's sweet," mm -hmm. and it it got to the point, and you and you and you see this in communities of color. Yes. He's the gay guy, but he's our gay guy. It's like mad at the town drunk, but he's our drunk. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I've seen. I've seen it in South Africa. I've seen it in Jamaica. I've seen it. I've seen it everywhere. The country is not to say the, the country doesn't have these elements, but the, the capacity to build, to, 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 and to, what am I saying? To sort of almost embrace in a certain way. And, 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 and Chima, I interviewed Chimamanda, I did share about this actually, because of course I'm going to bring it up. And she says, you know, when I was growing up, everybody knew the two aunts down the street. You know, everybody knew who they were. It doesn't mean necessarily they're coming to the christening, but everybody knew that. If they were to leave the village, the village will fall apart. Mm. And 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 then we go on and we talked about you know evangelical churches and so on. So we don't have to go all into that. But just that I refuse to join that reductive conversation. And I think on the other side, because I show the ills of society, they think that's all I talk about. Mm. And I think I'm ready. I'm ready to jump in and then let's demonize this together. I'm like, no, I'm not in that. I'm not in that with you. That's not what I'm saying. 
So you're neither on the tourist board, nor are you trying to throw Jamaica under the bus? No. Good. Yeah. No, I think that kind of... <laughs> good, says Tammy. Good, good. No, but I think that kind of complexity, you know, is really what's missing in so much of Caribbean literature and, and what is... Mm-hmm revered and promoted as Caribbean literature, right? That people are often looking for one kind of mm-hmm. representation. And that is not, it's not. I think it's, it's, that's both that's happening in at the same time. Like one of the things that's happening now uh, quite a bit is is opening up of, of queer Caribbean life. Mm-hmm. With so many writers, you know, so many writers um, tackling that. I think the rush to sort of, paint only one picture of of Caribbean of the Caribbean happens in both. I remember when in Minneapolis and back when I used to start more fights on Facebook and I said, you know, don't get this twisted. I run into far more racism in the gay community than homophobia in the black. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? <laughs> it's like it's like, yeah, but I bring receipts to every party. So let's talk about this situation when this here thing happened and so on. It's it's we have our tagline. I bring receipts to every party. <laughs> it's it's I, I you know, I, I think ultimately though, if the portrait you're showing of a person of a place is incredibly complicated, even then that to me is the ultimate sign that you're taking that country seriously. Mm-hmm. It's it's the greeting card or the sort of the, the, the sort of travel advisory. If you're on either side of those, I think you're both ultimately you're both doing the same thing, which is to paint yeah. a sort of caricature idea. That is helpful in bringing me to a question I wanted to ask you earlier. You invoked your book, Book of Night Women, and I wanted to ask you about. It's a more internal question, kind of the costs of teaching, writing about trauma, mm-hmm. because a lot of your work has engaged in the trauma of the region, both past and present. And I wonder, you know, we've talked about the need for complexity. So you don't tell stories that are about slavery set only in the plantation. There's no other mm-hmm. escape for Black life. Um, but you do write, and I imagine teach, about writing through trauma. And mm-hmm. so I wonder what your approach is to that, both as a writer and a teacher. Wow. As a, as a writer... I think I have to imagine myself as being just the most honest and open journalist that I can be. I, you know, I'm pretty unflinching, but I also have to be humane. People are surprised sometimes that there's humor in my books. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, well, <laughs> people, even people at the worst times still laugh. Also, any, any, any Jamaican would tell you, you either laugh or you cry. Yeah. And I, I, no, even when writing that there will be, a, and you can, I mean, you can tell from any, just go on, scroll through Amazon enough, that regardless of what I do, people still think something went too far. Mm-hmm. Too far to violence, too far to sex, too far to whatever. And it's not an, it's not an argument I engage very much, I take very seriously, because I always say, listen, I get it. Reading about slavery is hard for you. It's probably a little easier than being a slave. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> my worry about Book of Night Women was that I was I, I, was that I had on the kid gloves. Mm. If you if if you if, if spend some time reading about his slavery and not even the history books, reading things like ship logs and overseer's documents, you realize what an what an astonishingly awful atrocity it was. Mm-hmm. Writing now, but teaching now is interesting because I teach I teach you know I teach 
19 to 21 year olds and I teach nonfiction and I teach a memoir class. And a lot of times these students are in the class because they want to process trauma. Mm-hmm. And you're faced with two things, helping them write about it, but also helping them read it. Helping them. Mm-hmm. What, what do you do as a reader of trauma? I'm 19. Am I ready for this? <laughs> and it's, it's the first thing I have to convince my students is on one hand, you know, there's not two different things. One, this is a safe space to say anything. I don't think anything should leave this room. If we're going to, if, if, if this is going to be, uh, a, if we're telling true stories, mm-hmm. but I also think you have to leave this, leave space for figuring things out it's it's some of my favorite essays are essays where they're actually doing what an essay is supposed to do which is to find to search mm-hmm. you know an essay the original meaning of essay means an attempt and i think it's that it's to give is is you have to give students you have as a teacher you have to give a huge space for people to make mistakes mm-hmm. and you also have to spend a really long time teaching writers how to listen and, and teaching writers how to read. And sometimes that means following up after somebody makes a comment. I'm like, let me tell you all the reasons why that didn't go so well in class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, and so on. And, and uh, at the same time, teaching them to not, you know, necessarily hold back. But it's, it's a judgment call. It's a judgment call and every situation is different. Mm-hmm. And I still mess up. I still remember the time... I thought I was going perfectly fine and teaching a class and it was so on. And one of my students, never, never, I'll never forget this student, asked to meet with me and sat down and said to me, do you have any idea through the course of the day within the t- with TV shows, radios, books, how often I have to deal with people attaching mental illness with violence mm-hmm. and mental illness with atrocity? The serial killer, he must be crazy. Mm-hmm. It's such and such. How did he do it? He must be crazy. As, as a mentally ill person, you know how often I have to deal with that fact that people think we're always on the, 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 the you know, on the edge of violence because of all this stuff, including some of the stu- the, the, the stories in this class. Mm. And honestly, that became something which I now say at the beginning of every class. I'm like, let's talk about mental illness and let's talk about some of these stories. And let me tell you the reason why I no longer watch Criminal Minds. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Because that it's it's yeah it's that it never it never occurred to me. But I think it's again allowing letting students know that there is a that one they can say things like that to their professor, mm-hmm. and 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 so on. But it is it is a case by case basis, and it's also recognizing that there are people out there for whatever reasons sometimes not great think you're going too far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I know when I have said to a few people about night women, you know, trying to think about slavery in the Americas sometimes feels like trying to imagine what's on the other side of the end of the universe. It's like a thing that if Mm -hmm. you get too close, you realize how much it would screw with your mind to think it all the Mm -hmm. way through. And, and reading that book in particular, I was like, wow, he went really, really close to that space and dwelled in it with these people Mm -hmm. for however long it took him to generate the... Mm-hmm. The truth of that novel, and and I must, I think it's so painful to have done that in a sense. Yeah, and traumatizing I, certainly. 
It was, and I paid for it. I remember midway I was writing, I was writing this book, and I was reading it at uh, it was uh, it was actually at AWP, the, the Creative Writer and Writing Teachers Conference, and I read it as part of the showcase. And somebody, you know, a white person, asked one question you should never have asked me. I said, "Why the hell are you writing this book?" And I said. And I'll, you know, I will, I'll, as a I'll, joke or no, like, like for real, wanted for real, but with the, with the idea, but but with still the sort of why are you, why did you think, why are you offending me with this? Like I don't want to hear this. Why are you doing this? It's to like me? when I went what, to Clemson, yeah. when I went to Clemson um, University, I heard that some students opted out of reading the book, which was the first time I even heard of such a thing. But anyway. And I, I, and this is me that I'm reading, and I'm like knee deep in reading a lot of atrocities. And I said, well, you know, because I think as a writer and as somebody, you know, writing about what I'm writing about, I should also make sure UMFers never ever forget this. Yeah. And and then I said, and now I wait for my favorite sound in the world, nervous white laughter. As. <laughs> <laughs> But but afterwards, I was like, I need help <laughs> because I was being consumed. I was being consumed yeah. by so much atrocity and so much the 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 because if you're gonna if you're gonna write any form of historical fiction, you can't just read the histories and so on. You have to be there. And I, it's it's one of the reasons why you know. Just any snide remark, including stuff Kanye said about slaves, enrages yeah. me. I'm like, if you, have, I'm like, you don't have one tenth the stuff they have to have gotten to the point where you were born. Mm-hmm. As I, if you've any, the, the fact that we're here, you know, I was like, it's, it's like, no, don't you disrespect. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, okay. don't you disrespect, no. It's um, but it was, it was, it is, it is, and I hope this doesn't feel people who are presently going through trauma feel I'm, I'm, I'm not taking it seriously. But I do think you are, you go through trauma, and I think part of it too is, and one thing's another things I found, just visiting the diaspora. I've, I saw it in Nigeria, I saw it in Brazil, I see it in Jamaica. Black people process things in a continuum, and I think sometimes when you're not black. You don't understand why you're talking. They don't understand why we're talking about something using present tense. Mm-hmm. It's like, but that's 400 years ago. It's like, you don't understand black continuum. Also, I mean, you could go into how we process time, but that's a whole other thing. But no, it's, 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 real, it's real trauma. And nobody needs to be told that trauma is in, can be inherited. Mm-hmm. In Jamaica, one of the things, it, it, it hasn't appeared in my book, so it's something I talk about all the time. Like in Jamaica, you don't need white people around to practice white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm like, dude, you literally went out looking for a light-skinned girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's baked in now. <laughs> it is. It is. But yeah, to, 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 yeah. but it is, it is, it, there, it's, you can't, I don't think you can emerge from that thing unscathed and i don't think book it's weird i part of me never wants to go back to it but i'm pretty sure book of night woman will not be the last book i write about slavery mm. oh gosh well okay even knowing the costs <laughs> yeah yeah I'm i gonna... think so but then i think it's it's 
I, I said this in some interviews back then. It is the most, it is the most, when I said, I said something like it's, it's the most talked about unspoken story. Mm. And it's, it's, and I think, yeah, I think it, there are things about it, the aspects about it. We, 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 we still don't know and haven't come to terms with. And I think you were talking about American slavery before. And, and, and one of the reasons why I wrote Book of Night Woman was that I was very interested in Caribbean slavery and the dynamics and what that left left with us if you're in a country where because of sheer numbers jim crow couldn't happen then what do you do to keep jim crowist style alive then you then then you say things like oh it's not race it's class and which oh us immigrants love to say We're like, yeah, in our country, you know, it's not racist class. Well, of course we think that because colonialism taught us that. And then we go to England and see no blacks, no Jews, no Irish, and we go, oh, they meant no black people. Clearly, they don't mean no Jamaicans. And we don't, and we, and you know, we don't get it. We've talked specifically about seven killings and about mm-hmm. night women. Can you put them into into the? The corpus, because, mm-hmm. you know, from John Crow's Devil to Black Leopard, Red Tiger. Yes, Black Leopard, Red Tiger. Red Wolf. Wolf. Red Wolf. 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 Damn it. I knew I was going to miss Tiger, a different okay. continent. <laughs> also a fully different animal. But you know, not, nonetheless, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 vari- the generic variety, right? The variety in terms of the places you go, mm-hmm. but also the genres that interest you. I don't know how to characterize John Crow's Devil, which is like pure emotion and situated power and sexuality and music and, and all of these things. But then you bring us to this historical fiction that has us in the vernacular living in Jamaica in the, the late 18th century, then into, you know, a sweeping history of you know, the contemporary moment. And now we're in the realm of science fiction. Mm-hmm. And apparently this is one of what's projected to be three, meaning we're going to dwell there with you for a while. Mm-hmm. Can you can you weave the thread through the corpus in, in some I, way for us? Like, well, where's the Marlon James yeah. in all of this? Well, first I'd say there is a thread. Usually people think I'm making these sort of while shifts in storytelling and it's true i get no, i just I, want you to give it to me i'm sure yeah. i know there's gotta be one I, 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 you know i i think yeah. I, I mean yes i do get bored pretty quick and, uh, <laughs> and and the list of books on my in my desk that will never be published will always be bigger than the list of books i get published but for me they're cons- i i didn't so funny enough i didn't think about this i didn't think there's a thread until i read this article with uh as Bayat where she talks about each book prepares her for the next book. Mm. And I never thought about that until I go, oh, yeah. Because the first novel I wrote, I was playing around with vernacular, but I couldn't step into it because I was still ashamed of it. Mm. Okay. And, and even now, even, and, and the, first, the first 45 pages of Book of Night Women were written in very Jane Austen English, which I was very proud of because I love Jane Austen. And... Uh, but it was going nowhere. But it it says something that that was my default position. Mm-hmm. And my, I I really write in standard English because I'm not very good at it. And uh, you know I'm very my standard English always comes across stilted and colonial. I just I I keep trying and I keep failing. But it's it's but what John Crow's Devil allowed me to do was to develop the courage to tell a story in the voice of 
the uh, person from that time in a voice that, you know, that the, the voice coming out of my mouth could be the voice that could tell a story. Mm-hmm. But to me, you know, in a lot of ways for me, you know, my, um, my, my first publisher says I have this weird kind of dysmor- dysmorphia with my books because I think I'm writing, I think I'm writing big best-selling books that everybody's going to read. And, but with Book of Night Woman, you know, the, the, because Book of Night Woman to me is, was me trying to write a classic novel. I don't mean classic in terms of great. I mean classic in terms of Victorian. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it has an arc. It has a very specific yeah. structure and so mm-hmm. on. And it made me wonder, well, what do I, what, how, how do I write a novel where I sort of let go of all of that? Oh. You know, with brief history, some of it was a huge of it was inspired by simply whatever I was right reading at the time. Like I can, I know which part of that book I was reading, Savage Detectives. I know which part of that book I was reading, Mrs. Dalloway. Mm. And it's it's and and I think yeah, and 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 writing that book, of course, thinking about being in the diaspora and thinking about stuff I've always wanted to write and stuff I've always wanted to read, and fantasy and sci-fi has always been, you know my favorite genres, fantasy and crime. And to me, Brief History was kind of a crime novel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it made me think about myths and mythologies. And I gave this lecture last year, no, two years ago at Oxford, um, the, the Tolkien lecture, J.R.R. Tolkien's estate invited me to give this lecture. And I talked about, the main thing I talked about was mythology. And what does it mean when you grow up in a world where you take your mythology, you can take your mythologies for granted? And if you're British, for example, I don't think you think about King Arthur much. Probably not. Mm-hmm. And yet King Arthur and Camelot is crucial to British identity mm-hmm. because as long as there's a Camelot, it means there was a civilized Britannia. Mm-hmm. Never mind that Britain was the most backward and most appalling ditchwater of a place when the Romans showed up. I mean, they were stunned at the backwardness and just the straight-up filth and celebration of filth of Britain. But Camelot is, you know, we have knights, we have shovel, shovel, sh- chivalry. <laughs> Someone was going to say chauvinism, but anyway. <laughs> that too. That too. Potato, potato. <laughs> yeah, we have all of these things, but it's, 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 it's a crucial part of the building block of British identity, even if they don't realize it. So is Robin Hood. Now put me in the diaspora where for me ground zero is slavery mm-hmm. or ground zero and sure i know a nancy i know bro rabbit i know folklore and thank god for folklore so we have something mm-hmm. i knew folklore but i didn't know mythology and i kept thinking okay. if king arthur could do these for these british people what were the things that were supposed to do this for me so Black Leopard didn't even start out as a book. It's, a, it's the first book that start, that didn't start out as a book. It started out as notes because I was just I just went looking. Because hmm. I want I said I want my mythologies back. I want yes I have my Anansi, but I want I want them I want them back. Hmm. I want Sango back. I want Obatala back. And then I keep thinking, but you know if these histories, mythologies, religions could have done something like Law of the Rings. What it, what could I have, what could I do with these stories? And the stories started to write themselves. And the one thing to, to think of common threads in all of these books that I've written is that even the most realistic ones, there are things that make you question it. Like brief history, still the the person who holds it all together is still a ghost. Right. 
in Night Woman that 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 world is never far away. And in some ways, Black Leopard, and particularly the one I'm writing now, the sequel, feels like a homecoming. Mm. It feels like a homecoming to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're not supposed to ever really ask authors, who do you write for? But what you just, <laughs> you just kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm wrong, but you, you said, I want my mythologies back. So this moment where you said, you know, I'm writing these books for me to give myself something that's missing in the mm-hmm. world. But then I also caught a hint of like an offering, like, mm-hmm. right. You said if, if, the, if Camelot can do for those British people, yeah. right, what, what are the things that can do for us? Right. So it seems mm-hmm. that you are writing. Yeah. yeah? I don't think it's or an either no. or. I think you okay. can write for an audience and write for yourself. I don't think mm-hmm. it's an either or. I think it's, it's, I don't have, I don't know if I have this idea of ideal reader in my, in my mind. Okay. I, what am I, how do I put this? The deal that I hope that the reader can encounter is I'm writing this for you, but I have to be me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, thing. And, and if you can't engage with it, that's fine. The cool thing about coming out of indie press is that I'm used to people not engaging. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was like, it's like, well, it's like, it's like, dude, I come from selling three books. Nothing can scare me. <laughs> but I, but I do. I, I don't think I, I don't, I don't, when I sit down to write, I don't think who will read this. But I do think that I hope there are people out there who are interested in reading something that is that the author that is the 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 the, the best and the truest that the author could do at a time. And I think there are people who do respond to that. I think one of my favorite I don't think it's online anymore. There you there was this chat room about Nightwoman a few years ago. Oh word. Which I used that. to sneak into because it was it was amazing because <laughs> I used to sneak into because, well, well of course, a lot of people love my books. What, what, was, your, what, was, your, what was your handle? I can't remember. What was your handle? I think I just came in. I think I just came in as guest, and mm. and the way they were talking about it, I was like, one would be like, "Girl, you wouldn't believe what Lilith gonna do, don't do now." It's like, it's like one would be like, "You know, I'm just fed up with that chick," and I was like, "This is exactly really? yeah." Oh, okay. they were reading it in real time, and it's oh, like yeah. it's like they were talking about the. It's like Lilith was like the worst best friend ever. <laughs> <laughs> Which yes, true. Yeah, absolutely. and yeah. and it's like, but that's it. It's 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 yeah. readers make books. Readers make book books come to life. So I do care about it, and I do care about it. It's it's something because I'm a reader, and yeah, it's you know it's it's funny. Like I'm reading. This is this is my my moment where I admit to my eternal shame that I'm only now reading Giovanni's room, oh. and I'm we'll reading it now. Podcast, if you want, huh? we can cut that out of the recording. No, no, but <laughs> but I, I I'm reading it now, and I'm like, man, I could never read this book when I was twenty, mm. because I'm reading it and I feel so seen. Mm. Wow, and I'm like. But I don't. But there was a time when I don't want you to see me. I don't want to. I don't want you to. I don't want the the, the jig is up. <laughs> that I see what you're doing, kind of thing. But the, because I think uh, the book is coming alive for me, I think. And I think, yeah, it's as I say, it's. I think it's you. It's it's both. It's writing the absolutely writing the novel that's in your head. And I tell my students this all the time: make sure the thing that's in your head comes down in totality on the page. Mm-hmm. But also hoping you know, people will people will respond to it and react to it and and take it away and make it theirs. Yeah. 
funny to think of you lurking about chat rooms trying to get a, <laughs> trying to get a beat on what your readers think of <laughs> so then i stopped because i'm like yeah there because to do it to, to spend too much time in that world you also have to deal with the fact that, that people who hate you really hate you so <laughs> Uh, I had to just tell a friend of mine who who has a new book out. I just got a start of reading Kirkus. It's a brilliant, brilliant novel. But she kept reading the reviews on some of the reviews. I'm like, you need to stop. Yeah, yeah. that's too hard. Because sometimes even the really, really good ones, eh, you might, you know, you might start to think that that's all you're gonna get. So was that that kindness when you and Jake decided to do a podcast only about dead authors so that you wouldn't? Yes. <laughs> but actually, you know, the thing about me and Jake is that this so this podcast happened because Jake and I give us three minutes in a room. Eventually, we start fighting over a dead author and people just people be passing by and just stop and listen to us or hang out outside. You know, um, because, like, for example, I will defend Dickens to the death, even though he's a racist and I have very specific Jamaican reasons to not like him. But I will defend some of his books, except David Copperfield, which is trash. And he would. I, That's your first episode. That was the first <laughs> yeah, episode. Wasn't it? Have, you went in on Dickens and, and Trollope. Right. And he loves Trollope yeah. and so on. And I'm yeah. a big Jane Austen person. And he's like, as for yeah. me, I like books where things happen. As a... <laughs> Look at Tammy. So, I am just a guest. <laughs> that is an affront. I know. Can, you know I, mean, I can't imagine someone um, saying that. I, I, you know, whereas I can quote Austin. Of course. No, but it, that's how it became. It's just we, we get into these really, really big fights. Not even fight. I didn't mean discussions, really. About Lively books. discussion. Yeah. And, and somebody eventually got tired of saying you should make a show out of this. That they just basically just brought us to two microphones and they're like, just continue doing what you've been doing. And that's basically that's how this podcast got started. <laughs> yeah, that's our history, too. Same story. Same yeah, story. it's just when you realize if you're not going to shut up, you might as well record it. Yes. <laughs> Words to live by in the podcast era. Yeah, we, you've been generous. You, yeah. you, the 15 minutes of fuffing about trying to figure out how this works <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and bringing your podcast into, into this conversation. It's very much appreciated. Thank you well, so thank much you. for taking the time, Marlon. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for joining us and being our first guest on season two. Wow. Yes. I'm honored. But we've been looking forward to this conversation. So thank you so much. Really, thank you for making well, the time. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Writing Home is produced by Kayama Glover, Tammy Navarro, Rachel James, and Miriam Neptune. Support for this podcast comes from the Digital Humanities Center, the Center for Research on Women, the Media Center, and the Library at Barnard College. Our music is by Aizan from their album Diligence, and the track is Tribulation.